welcome to The Last Track, where we help people showcase the last track of their life story in their final wishes. I am your host, Brian Norris, the co-owner of Bateman Funeral Home in Newport, Oregon. Just like a song can bring you back to a day, a time, and a memory, so too can a well-planned service. And the quote of the day, grief can be the garden of compassion. If you keep your heart open through everything, your pain can become your greatest ally in your life's search for love and wisdom. And That's by Rumi. When planning a funeral, there are many shades of green to consider for the service, from final resting place to the service itself. So what does it mean to have a green final disposition. And we're going to be talking about a green final disposition of both burial and of cremation. And we're also going to talk about something that's new, that's now available to everybody, and that's aquamation. And here in Oregon and in Washington, we have something else that's called uh, decomposition. And that's, it's, it's all kind of interesting stuff. So we're going to kind of talk about all of this together and talk about a green final disposition. Normally, a green disposition is when a body is buried in a biodegradable container or a shroud without being embalmed with formaldehyde and is either cremated and placed into a green garden or aquamation, which is a what was almost, they call it flameless cremation. It actually has a smaller carbon footprint. So let's take a look first at a green cemetery. What does a green cemetery look like? Well, most green cemeteries that are 100% green will not have options for a urn burial They won't usually have a mausoleum or a columbarium or those types of things because you're trying to leave, like I was mentioning before, a smaller carbon footprint. So it's going to look, a lot of times when you roll up to these places, it looks like a farm. It really does. Uh, A lot of places don't mow, they don't maintain, but it's, frankly, it's kind of like what we used to do in the 1800s and the early 1900s on a farm. It's some places will actually take your breath away because they're actually meticulously taken care of. They're generally extremely green unless there's like a drought going on and they can't water. And they have lots of different options of places to go. So let's talk about the green cemetery. They don't permit vaults or non-biodegradable caskets, or embalming. They generally do not use herbicides, pesticides, or irrigation. Some of the cemeteries have both conventional and green burial sections. And so you'll roll up and it'll say, you know, Rolling Hills Cemetery or Memorial Garden. And you'll roll in and you'll see a whole sections of 
of, of traditional burial places. And then there may be a whole nother section of green burial. And so you'll see, again, kind of like what we were talking about, there's no irrigations, there's no herbicides. It'll look very much more like, a, like an open field. And they may have some like little ponds or scattering gardens or those things. And we'll talk a little bit more about what that means. But they will have sustainable landscapes and natural memorialization, meaning that they'll, they will plant trees and bushes and things that work with each other so that they can sustain themselves uh, as a natural habitat. And then the natural memorialization can be anything from maybe bringing in a large boulder or a rock and having something engraved on that. It's really pretty, pretty neat, some of the things that they've done. So let's take a look at some of the green burial options. Natural burial in a green cemetery. If you are to be, if you choose to go to a, nat, a do natural burial in a green cemetery, some of the containers that you would be looking at using might be as simple as a shroud, meaning like a sheet, a white sheet that's uh, wrapped around you. There are wicker baskets that are some beautiful beautiful wicker baskets. There are some options that are just actually very, very stunning. And there's the traditional casket that does not have metal or doesn't have any glue or epoxy or those types of things. Maybe metal is okay for you, but most people in those types of situations would use something more like a, well, a very good example is the Jewish Aaron, which is a simple pine wood casket that has been joined together using joints and sometimes even have holes already pre-drilled in the side to allow dirt and essentially the earthworms and the natural surroundings to be able to start the natural decomposition. And so wood. Burial at sea, you would definitely need, if you're going to be doing it with a cremated remains, you're definitely going to be needing a biodegradable urn. And I actually saw some pretty cool biodegradable urns in the shape of a sea turtle. But they use biodegradable urns, maybe a wicker casket. Now, remember, if you're doing that at sea with a body, it absolutely has to be weighted uh, with ballast so that that way it sinks. What you don't want to do is become part of the current that's underground, underwater that might be a mile down and just be moving along with the current going seven to 10 knots uh, out somewhere and then pop up on the other side. So you, it definitely has to be weighted in order to uh, be buried in the sea. You also have to be so many miles out and you have to have so many fathoms below you in order to, in order to do a burial at sea. But burial at sea, absolutely an option. You can take a look at some amazing urns that you can purchase nowadays. There's salt urns, there's earth urns, there's sand urns, there's bio urns. When you're looking at each one of these urns, they have different characteristics. For example, a biodegradable urn can be done in a water release. It can be placed in a garden. It a lot of times may have a tree or a bush or a you know flowers, that type of thing in it. And so there's lots of different options for that. If you're going into a scattering area, you definitely might want to look into a scattering garden or an ash release cemetery. Now let's talk about the difference between those two because there are definitely differences. 
A scattering garden is a, is a designated area in a cemetery where cremated remains are meant to be scattered. I mean, just kind of like what it says, scattering garden. The ashes are natural. They become a fertilizer for flowers and plants, and they serve as a living memorial for those who wish to be cremated and scattered in a scattering garden. I mean, if you think about it, you know, they're in a scattering garden might have some roses. And if you're scattering at the bases of the roses and the, and they're being watered in and it works down into the soil, it, it will help those roses grow. Hydrangeas is another thing that they have at in scattering gardens. And if you were to place some at the base of the hydrangeas, it helps them to get some of their beautiful color that they can have in those hydrangeas. Trees, small, large, whatever you want to say, those are all part of a scattering garden that's been designated to be able to have scattering done. And you might see at one end or the other end, you might see a little wall or a wooden wall or benches with names, you know, engraven on them, you know, those types of things to be able to memorialize that, that that person was scattered in this area. A memorial garden is different than a scattering garden, but a memorial garden is where a biodegradable urn is planted in memory of a loved one. And it's usually designed with a loved one in mind, like it could even be a friend's backyard or a family backyard or your, your farm. It may be in a huge place that's called a memorial garden, and you can plant in certain designated areas certain things like a tree or a bush, or that type of thing. There's many types of biodegradable urns that can be planted in the ground, such as, you know, there's actually earth ones, there's sand, there's salt urns. You know, we had one person that was placed in a salt urn and put in the back of his acreage. The reason? Because deer love salt urns. And he loved his deer that he had had on his property for decades, and he wanted to give back, and so he was placed in a salt urn, and as the weather and everything else made one great big lump uh, of that salt urn, he was remembered uh, by all the deer and the elk and everything that came by and and uh, licked the salt urn. A biodegradable urn is just kind of how it sounds. It's made from recycled material in the U.S., and it's a, it, there's, a, there's one that's called a blooming bio-urn, and that's a perfect option. Again, it's manufactured here in the U.S., and it has perennial wildflower seeds in it, and it's beautiful. I mean, it's just a, a beautiful option to be able to do. So we, we mentioned aquamation at the beginning of our podcast. Aquamation is very similar to, uh, well, it's not really, really similar. It's called a flameless cremation, and it's used with a combination of alkaline hydrolysis and water and heat, and it's an option that's being used now here in Oregon. The return is is some really beautiful white, uh, and they get ground up, or I should say processed, very similar to cremated remains, and you can treat those just like you would cremated remains and you can have those planted in, or take, put in scattering gardens or urns or that type of thing. Very, very, very similar. Um, you can also ask for the byproduct 
if you want, and this is something that some of the places are doing, where instead of them just draining the fluids off uh, at the end of the cremate, at the end of the aquamation, uh, some of that can be put in a 55-gallon drum and captured, and they use that to spray on gardens, uh, green green burial places, and green cremation areas. Uh, and it, and again, that's remember I mentioned some of the areas may be beautifully green. Well, that's because they they do that instead of using pesticides and herbicides, they're using actually aquamation byproduct that's being sprayed. And I'll tell you, it's 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 beautiful. The other option that we talked about, there's in the state of Washington, they had it passed, and they 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 basically they're doing decomposition where they place a body in a large cylinder tune, a uh, great big huge uh, tube, and it's filled with earth and all the different matter, and essentially it's it's agitated over the course of a few months, and the body literally just is is an accelerated decomposition. And then the the dirt and the, the, the product that comes out of that is amazingly fertile. And they use that to go plant or to be used as fertilizer uh, on, on some of these places that are called the green, the, you know, the green gardens, that type of thing. It can be placed on your property if you're a farmer, those types of things. It's brand new. It's in its absolute infancy. And so you may want to take a look at that. And just look it up, Seattle. They just passed it through the legislature here in Oregon, and we'll start seeing it soon down the road here in Oregon. But they've just done their first. I'm sure they've done less than a hundred at this point. But you might want to look it up. It's another option. So we're starting to get close to the end of this podcast. But let's talk about a few ideas for green service. So asking for live flowers instead of cut flowers is a great way to start mixing. And if you're not doing a full green service, it's okay, but you might want to, you know, add a normal traditional, you might ask for live flowers to be planted. We received some flowers that we've planted when my mom passed away. Beautiful. I mean, it's a great way to give a gift. And if the person has been cremated, you might even ask for a little bit of the ashes to go in that potted plant and plant it outside your home. You can have memorial trees planted or some sort of a a charitable contribution in lieu of flowers. But on our website, you know, during where the obituaries are, there's an option to be able to plant trees. And what a great way to remember somebody. If you're trying to stay green and you don't want to have a bunch of flyers or folders or things passed out, take a look at the online obituary and decide maybe to go paperless. You can fly kites instead of releasing balloons. And, you know, a lot of people are like, eh, you know, releasing balloons, what's the big deal? Well, if you think about it, if there's lot, if there's hundreds of people doing this, uh, it is going up into the sky and it's got to come down somewhere. But flying a kite, when you're done, you just reel it back in. And what a great way to uh, remember somebody. You could even have little pictures of that person on the kite. What a great thing. Planting a memorial garden. Consider live streaming so that people don't have to drive or fly, and that leaves a smaller carbon footprint again. These are all ways to think about having a green service. You know, if you have any ideas that we haven't covered, I'd love to hear from you. So make sure you send us an email or you can send it to info at BatemanPacificView.com. Love to hear from you. 
Well, we have reached that time in our podcast where we take a time and we take a moment and we remember all the families that are experiencing a loss and we light a virtual candle because we're green in their memory. Let's take a moment. This has been The Last Track. I'm Brian Norris. You can find out more about Bateman Funeral Home at our website at BatemanPacificView.com. You can visit us on our website, and you can also leave us messages there, or you can visit us on Facebook. If you have any feedback or any questions about today's episode, you're welcome to call us at 541-265-2751, or you can send us an email at info at We would love to hear from you. Make sure to listen to our other two podcasts in this trilogy, Cremation and Burial FAQs, as well as Considerations for Cremation versus Burial. And coming up, we have another exciting thing to talk to you about, what to do right after death. Thank you for listening.